good to see you all here. It's always uh, great to see so many smiling faces. And welcome to Grace Bible Church, Gainesville, service for May 14th, 2023. And again, we've done it a couple times, we'll say it again, happy Mother's Day to all the moms here today. Make sure you honor your mom today. Our Lord gives us each a, a special mother, and it's funny because you think about it, a mother is who we cling to when we're young, <laughs> mother is who we separate from as a teen, but when we get older, we realize how much our mothers did for us, and we understand why we need to honor them. So it's good to honor our mothers, and we can find these words said about mothers in God's Word in Proverbs chapter 31. In Proverbs 31, it says this about mothers. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She laughs without fear of the future. When she speaks, her words are wise, and she gives instructions with kindness. Her children stand and bless her, and her husband praises her. So again, happy Mother's Day to all the, all the moms. And also, it's an honor to be able to open and share God's Word with you all. And so this morning, we take a break again from our study in Matthew and the King in His glory. As Pastor Brandon, as we said, is in Arkansas. He's attending his grandma's funeral, and so he's taking a few weeks off. And so today, as we will walk through another psalm, and today we'll look at Psalm 13. And I hope that our walk through these psalms uh, have been a good one for you so far. That it's, that it's been a blessing. Because really, that's what the, the Psalms are. They're, they're, they're there to bless us. The Psalms were, were written down to be sung by Israel to encourage them and to comfort them when fear or panic, despair hit their life. In fact, whatever we're going through, good or bad, really the more help the Psalms are to us. And so far, we've gone through Psalm 1, 2, 8, 11, and 12. And we've noticed a few themes that have jumped out at us so far. But really the main theme that's running through all the Psalms is that there are two ways in which we can live our lives. We saw this in Psalms 1 and 2. That there's God's way to live and there's the world's way to live. And God's way is called the road of the righteous. And the world's way is called the road of the wicked. And what makes the world's way wicked is its foundation. Because its foundation is built on our sin. The sin that every one of us is born with and the sin that each one of us, as before we're believers, we, we live for. And so the road of the wicked is paved with pride, boasting, and self-sufficiency. But the road of the righteous, those on that road, the road of the righteous is paved with humility, submission, and a love for Yahweh God and His Word. And then in Psalm 8, as we walk through that, we had David talking about the majesty of Yahweh God, the amazing glory and majesty and grace of God. And then in Psalm 11, we saw that those who are on the road of the righteous, well, we're going to be tested. <laughs> that Yahweh God is going to test those who are on that road, the road of the righteous. And He does this to make us a stronger believer. And then last time, we walked through Psalm 12, where David showed us how to be godly even when everyone around us isn't. And so now, today, we'll walk through Psalm 13, and we'll see David in a struggle. He's struggling with his feelings, his enemies, and his faith. The title of today's message is, Yahweh God, Where Are You? We see David crying out to God who feels that he's abandoned him. 
And sometimes it can be hard for us to imagine David falling so low in his life. We know that after what happened with Bathsheba, but this is earlier, that a man after God's own heart can cry out, where are you, God? Because when we think about David, we we tend to focus on how amazing he was, that even as a boy, he slew a giant. He was a man after God's own heart, and he was a military warrior. He was a very crafty military leader. He was loved by almost everyone. But we can also forget that he was a person just like we are, and he experienced the ups and downs of life just like we do. And what's good for us is that David was also a musician, and he could play the harp, and so he could write poems and songs. And because of this, he was able to put down in words, with the help of God's Spirit, what he was experiencing and feeling. And so David went through these ups and downs of life. He wrote down his feelings and his thoughts, which again is great for us because we can read them and we can see how he made it through all those hills and valleys and caves of life. And you know what the hills and valleys and caves are. <laughs> well, the hills are the good times and the valleys are the struggles and the caves, well, the caves are the really hard times in life. When we feel like, feel like our heart's been broken, literally broken in pieces. What David will show us here today is that when our heart is broken and we're in, we're in those caves of despair, what do we do? So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to grab it and Turn with me to Psalm 13. You know, sometimes we, we do have to hit rock bottom. That, that despair of life can just push us down deep, deep into a lonely cave. But what do we do? Well, Psalm 13. Let's read Psalm 13 together. God's Word says, For the choir director, a psalm of David, How long, O Yahweh, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart all the day? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? Look and answer me, O Yahweh, my God. Give light to my eyes. Least I sleep the sleep of death. Least my enemy says... I have overcome him, and my adversaries rejoice that I am shaken. But I have trusted in your loving kindness. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to Yahweh because he has dealt bountifully with me. And there ends the reading of God's word. And let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful. That you are always there with us, even when we go through the hardships, the, the, the deep caves of life, we're brokenhearted. Even when we don't feel you, you are there. And Father, help us to, to see the truths of your word today. Help the Holy Spirit to teach us and guide us today. And Father, forgive me my shortcomings and preach a better message than I have prepared. And Father, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, nobody knows for sure what was going on in David's life when he wrote Psalm 13, but many scholars say it could have been what he was going on, what was going on in 1 Samuel chapter 21. In 1 Samuel 21, we we have David, he's on the run, and he's in fear of Saul, and 
And so this fear of Saul, it temporarily placed his faith in the Lord. And so David is running for his life, and he thinks that, he thinks that if he can just flee to the Philistines, who were Israel's arch enemy at that time, then Saul would never think to look for him there, and then he would be safe. And so David runs some 30 miles to the, to the southeast to the city of Gath. Remember, during this whole time, our Lord has picked David to be the next king. But this doesn't seem like a, a real kingly thing for him to do, to run and hide. He runs and hides to his arch enemies. It's his, in fact, it's his arch enemy's main city. But what we can see here is what's happening is our Lord is, always trains us. He's, he refines us and he, he does this to those he loves and those he cares about him. And so here we have the Lord training and refining David. It may, it may not seem like it, but he's preparing David to be king because God's will is not only to make him a king, but first to make him a man of God, a truly a man after his own heart. And our Lord does the same for us as well. If we're believers, then we will also have to go through the trials and troubles and training to be refined, to make us more like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so there's a purpose in what David's going through. Because it takes a moment to make a believer, but it takes a lifetime to produce a mature believer. And so here's David, having been anointed by Samuel as the future king of Israel, but the present king, King Saul, is so jealous of him that he's trying to kill him. So David is on the run, and he heads to a place that I'm sure he thought never in a million years would Saul have ever thought to, to look for him, or that he would ever run to. And that's the Philistine city of Gath. Gath, which was, again, the hometown of a guy that David killed named Goliath. So what a turnaround for David. Because it wasn't that long ago that David slew Goliath. And he took his sword as a prize. And he had the people singing songs about him. But now he's on the run and he runs to Goliath's hometown. And he's carrying Goliath's sword looking for safety. So let's see how it went for David and Gath. If you'd like to, you can turn with me to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 21, or you can just listen. I mean, when we talk about reversal of fortune, (laughs) I'm sure this wasn't what David had in mind or he had planned out in his life, but he runs to Gath. He's looking for safety. 1 Samuel chapter 21, starting at verse 10. So let's see what's going to happen to the man after God's own heart. It says, Then David arose and fled that day from Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. But the servants of Achish said to him, Is this not David, the king of the land? So even here in Gath, the people recognize David. He's famous all over. They're saying, Hey, isn't this the future king? So now David knows that they know who he is. Then, well, they go on in verse 11. The people are saying this about David to King Achish. Did they not sing of this one as they danced, saying Saul has struck his thousands, David his ten thousands? They even heard the songs that the Israelites were singing about him. And so what happens next? And David took these words to heart and greatly feared Achish, the king of Gath. So again, here's David. Remember, he's, he's holding Goliath's sword in Goliath's hometown. So do you think there might have been a few guys that would have loved to have David's head as a souvenir. So what's David going to do now? 
verse 13. So he, that's David, disguised his sanity in their sight. He acted insanely in their hands and scribbled on the doors of the gate and let the saliva run down onto his beard. So David gives in an Academy Award winning performance to save his life. He pretends to be insane. How humiliating. But who is he looking to here for safety? It wasn't the Lord God. Now in verses 14 and 15. Then Achish said to his servants, Behold, do you see this this man behaving as a madman? Why do you bring him to me? Do I lack madmen that you have brought this one to act the madman before me? Shall this one come into my house? So King Achish is fooled. He thinks David is insane. And again, what what don't we see here from David? Well, we don't see him crying out once to God. David's in a deep valley here. He, he's in a deep valley and it's about to get deeper. And so the story continues in 1 Samuel chapter 22 and verses 1 and 2. 1 Samuel chapter 22 and verse 1 it says, So David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. But can you imagine? This is David, the man after God's own heart, the next king of Israel, the mighty warrior Pretending to be a madman just to spare his life. With the power of God, he stood up against the giant. He defeated Goliath when no other man would dare try. All of Israel sang praises about him. He was crowned the next king of Israel. But he humiliated himself and runs to the cave and he's all alone. He's hit rock bottom. And where is the Lord God? Why is God not helping him? And so this is the time and the place where many scholars believe that David sat down and wrote Psalm 13. And it was a low moment in his life. This must have been. Have you ever been where David is? A place where God seems so far away. We pray, but, but God just doesn't answer. We read our Bible, but it doesn't speak to us. We, we seek God, but it seems as if He's hiding. This is the cave. This is the cave of the brokenhearted, the, the, the rock bottom cave of despair. And so, as we come back now to Psalm 13, in Psalm 13, we're going to see how David deals with this hitting the rock bottom. And he'll show us how he, how he sorted all this out. And what we'll see today is three ways of how to deal with hitting rock bottom when you get to that cave of despair. And the first way is in verses 1 and 2. It's the inward look. There's the inward look. The second way is in verses 3 and 4, the outward look. The outward look. And the third way in verses 5 and 6 is the upward look. The upward look. So here in Psalm 13, we get to see David as he, as he hits this rock bottom. He's, he's in the cave of despair. And what does, he, what does he do to rise out of it? Well, there's an inward look, an outward look, and then an upward look. So let's dive into God's amazing Word and look at this powerful prayer from David. The first way in verses 1 and 2, the inward look. The inward look. Verse 1. David cries out in a prayer, How long, O Yahweh, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? And notice in these first two verses, Verses 1 and 2. How many times do we see the phrase, how long? 
How long? David uses this phrase four times in these two verses. Charles Spurgeon has said that we should really call Psalm 13 the the howling psalm. Because David is howling. He's crying out. How long, Lord? And this this is the season of a believer's life where when we do hit rock bottom and we can feel like God isn't around, it's a season in a cave and it's a cave of despair. The cave of despair can happen when there's a lengthy illness or when, when our strength never comes back, when the future plans begin to fade and our hope begins to fade. The cave of despair can happen from a sudden job loss or maybe not getting the job that you desire and then a major financial need hits and things get rough. Or a cave of despair can happen with a sudden loss of a dear loved one, a husband or wife. It can make us feel like our heart is crushed and it can make us feel suddenly all alone. And a cave of despair can cause us to, to just spiral downward with this thought that no one cares or loves for us. Or like David here, that, that God has abandoned us. This is where David is. So he cries out, cries out in this prayer in verse 1, How long, O Yahweh? To David, this feels like an endless struggle. He feels like he just can't go on. He says, how long will you hide your face from me? So has David lost God's blessings? This makes no sense to him. But even when it doesn't make sense, God's there. He is there. Sometimes we don't think He's blessing us, but He is. Sometimes we don't think He's watching over us, but He is. And here David is pouring out his heart, but... He's looking inward. He's looking to what he feels inside. And he feels empty. David's been, been going by feelings and, and he hasn't felt God's presence in a while. And so what he's been doing is trusting his own feelings and in, in, in wisdom. And that's what he's been trusting in for help. He's been trying to outthink things. And really... <laughs> What this shows us is that feelings are deceptive. Because David's in distress, it caused him to lose sight of God's presence and blessing. And so he was going by his feelings. And our our feelings are easily changed. They, They can be changed by people, circumstances, words, or even music. And so how can we how can we really rely on our feelings to guide us that they're so easily manipulated? So what this means is that for us believers, we're not to live by feelings, but by faith. We need to make our choices by faith, not by feelings. Remember, we never trust our heart. We go by faith. Why? Because our hearts are tainted by sin. Even after we become believers, even after we get a new heart, even after we're a new creation, we still have to be careful not to follow our heart. We go with Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5. Proverbs 3, 5 tells us, trust in Yahweh with all your heart and do not, do not lean on your own understanding. So even as believers, we don't trust our hearts. No, we trust in the Lord God. Because we're not perfect yet, we're still being refined, we're being sanctified, and so all our, all our ways are flawed, but our Lord's ways are perfect and we can trust them. And so our hearts will change. But our Lord never changes. Again, we can only see things from a day-to-day perspective, but our Lord, He sees things from an eternal perspective. 
We can make plans, but unless they, they'll only come to pass unless our Lord wills it, unless it's His will. So what David's doing here is he's looking inward. He's going by his own understanding and his own feelings. And he feels lonely. He feels discouraged. He feels frustrated. And there's no way out of it. And he feels this way because Yahweh hasn't helped him. And again, we know that David was a man after God's own heart. So that means that he must have been praying. He must have been seeking. But so far, he's got nothing. And again, this should be encouragement to us because we understand that that as believers... Our walk with the Lord is not always going to be just wonderful joy and happiness all the time. In fact, we live in a fallen world where where we're going to face sickness and eventual death. And that means we'll all go through the, the cave of despair at some point in our life. And so this is where David is. And he's literally, he's literally in a cave and he's in despair. And so he cries out, How long, O Yahweh? And he uses Yahweh because that's God's covenant, promise-keeping name. So David's crying out. He's crying out to to his covenant-keeping, promise-keeping God. The one who promised that he would be the next king of Israel. How long will you forget me? Lord, what is going on? You know, David was on the run from Saul, some scholars say, for about 15 years. Imagine this, 15 years of running and hiding. But it was all part of God's plan for David. And now in verse 2, David says, How long shall I take counsel in my soul? How long shall I look inward for advice, Lord? Really what we see David doing here is he's having a battle with his soul. He hasn't heard from the Lord in a while. And so he's trusting in his own understanding. He's taking counsel in himself. He's looking inside himself and there's, there's this tossing, this turning of his thoughts. He's trying to find the answer. He wants to fix what's going on. He wants to fix the worry and the anxiety and the frustration, but, but this look inward, it, it just isn't getting the job done. Because it says in verse 2, having sorrow in my heart all the day. When I look inward, all I get is sorrow in my heart. Why? <laughs> Why, Lord? Because the more he looks inward and trusts in his changing feelings, thinking about disaster after disaster, humiliation after humiliation, what he's been doing is really feeding those dark thoughts of hopelessness deep down in his heart. And those thoughts were just growing inside him. We're all made in the image of God. But God does wire each one of us differently. So some of us are like David. He was an up-and-down guy. A lot of athletes live in that world, the up-and-down, the ups of the, the victory and the down of defeat. And David was like that. He would live on the highs and lows of life. And so this means that the more he's more prone to discouragement because the letdowns will follow the high moments of life. It just has to happen. Remember, this isn't, this isn't all that long ago that David was told that he would be the next king. It wasn't all that long ago that he slew Goliath. But now he's running in fear and failure. He went from great heights to to the deep valley in a cave. And the godless Philistines, who, who God helped David and Israel defeat, he had to run to for safety. He had to humble himself 
He had to humble himself to these enemies to save his own life. They thought he was a madman, that he was this crazy guy. And so he says in the last part of verse 2, How long will my enemy be exalted over me? From fame to failure. He's looking inward and he's thinking, he's thinking, God, you promised me. You promised me I would be the next king someday, didn't you? But God, where are you? What's happening? My enemy is going to win. If it's not the Philistine, then it's Saul. Lord, help me. But what David's beginning to understand here is this inward look is doing him no good. Again, why? Because he can't fix the problem by looking inward. There's no hope there. So he's come to the point of exhaustion from all this, all this inward thinking. He's lost sleep over it. He's, he's, he can't sleep. He's mulling over it night and day. But now David will begin to turn his eyes from looking inward to looking outward. So the first way for David to come out of the cave of despair was, was to look inward. To look inward does no good because all it does is show us that our feelings and our, our feelings are always changing. And there's no hope found inward. But now the second way is the outward look. Verses 3 and 4. The outward look. David continues with his prayer. And here he'll ask the Lord for three things in verses 3 and 4. So look at verse 3. He says, Look and answer me, O Yahweh my God. Give light to my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. So David asked for, the first thing he asked for is look. (laughs) Lord, look, pay attention to me. After all this time, after all this sorrow, I'm asking you, Lord, please, please pay attention to me. Look at me. And the second thing he prays for is an answer. He's asking, please, Lord, turn, look at me, speak to me, answer me. Again, we see David using the covenant-keeping, promise-keeping name for God. He uses Yahweh. Yahweh, the covenant-keeping, promise-keeping Lord. Won't you please answer me? You always keep your promises. You feel so far away now. Won't you please move toward me and answer me? And then the third thing he asks for is in verse 4. He says, give light to my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Here's the third thing he prays for. Give. Give light to my eyes. Notice the ever, ever small little movement here. He's beginning to move from this inward look to the outward look. He's moving from discouragement and asking God to look at him. It's now a request. He's asking the Lord to give him something. In verses 1 and 2, he was complaining. He He had this heartache. His heart was aching. It's still aching, but he's complaining. But now he's no longer just unloading his heart on the Lord, but he's asking the Lord to give him something. And what does he want the Lord to give him? Again, give light to my eyes. What David is saying is, saying, Lord, I'm tired of seeing things from my emotions and my feelings. I'm tired of looking inward. Lord, I want to see things from your truth, your wisdom. And if you don't, I'm going to die. The Apostle Paul said something like this in Ephesians chapter 1 and verses 17 and 18. In Ephesians 1, 17 18, Paul wrote this. He said that... He said that the the God of our Lord, Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the full knowledge of Him, so that you, the eyes of your heart, having been enlightened, will know that He is the hope of His calling, 
What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? You see, David wasn't seeing what was really going on. And so he was beginning to wonder if he can really trust Yahweh God. David's thinking, can I really trust this promise-keeping, covenant-keeping God? It looks so bleak right now for me. I'm beginning to wonder if the Lord God is going to keep His promise. And it's amazing how we can forget. We can forget the fact that our Lord will always keep His promises. That we can always trust Him. And so because we can so easily forget that, our Lord is always finding new ways to ask us the question, do you trust me? And we are so much like David that we can, we can begin to doubt when those, when those hard seasons of life come. So David asked the Lord God to give him something to help him see more clearly. Give light to my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lord, if, if you don't help, help me see things your way, I, I'm going to die. I can't go on from all this sorrow. I can't take this despair. Lord, if, if I'm going to keep moving forward, I need to see things from your perspective. So sometimes for our Lord to get our attention, He has to take stuff away. Sometimes He has to leave us in those deep valleys and the caves of silence and despair and distress. He, he wants us to look and see, who do you love more? What do you love more? Who are you relying on? Nothing in our life should be more important than Yahweh God. And so the Lord puts us in places and, and trials, and He does this to show us who we are and who He is. And we can so quickly forget who God is. So as we go through these rough seasons in life, it, it can feel as though God has moved away from us, that He is hiding, or he, He's even forgotten about us. But really, it's, it's, it's us who have moved. He's always there. And He has a purpose for everything He does. So here's David. He's beginning to realize that he's forgotten who God is. He's asking Yahweh to enlighten him, to see what's going on from his perspective, to help him move more closer to him. And notice how David is looking out at his enemies. He's worried that if they win, then they can say Yahweh God doesn't care about his own. Look at verse 4. He says, least my enemies say I have overcome him, and my adversaries rejoice that I am shaken. David here, he's thinking about Yahweh's reputation. His enemies knew David had been anointed the future king according to God's sovereign plan. And he knew that if he died, it would appear that God had failed. And so what David is saying here is, Lord, my enemies are your enemies, and they'll rejoice if you don't deliver me, so please deliver me. If they see me shaken or defeated, then they're going to dishonor your name. And Lord, I, I want to honor your name. To do everything and, and, and anything I can to bear witness to your power and your grace. So here we have David in this cave, this cave of despair. And he, he cries out. He cries out. He begins to look inward. His feelings of despair and sorrow. He knows that it's not getting it done. He cries out, how long, O oh Lord, where are you? He feels forgotten, he feels forsaken, but, but now he's beginning to look outward. And he asked the Lord to, to look and answer him. Lord, he wants the Lord, Lord, give me wisdom, <laughs> wisdom and trust. 
so I can see what's going on from your perspective, which will draw him closer to the Lord. And so now we come to the third way for David to come out of the cave of despair. And this is David will look upward. The upward look. Verses 5 and 6. And notice the difference between these verses and the way this psalm began. Verse 5. But I have trusted in your loving kindness. So we have the word but here, which begins verse 5. And the word but is a contrasting word, which shows the difference. It's showing a contrast in something. And what's the difference? What's it showing the difference or, or contrasting to? Well, notice he says, I have trusted. Trusted is in, trusted in what? In the Lord's loving kindness. So it's an upward look. Instead of looking inward or outward, it's an upward look. There's the contrast. He's looking up. He's looking to Yahweh now. But I have trusted in your loving kindness. And trusted is in the past tense. So David remembered. He remembered all the times in the past where Yahweh God answered him. He remembered God's loving kindness. God's loyal, faithful love. David saying, Lord, I have trusted your faithful goodness to your children, and because I'm one of them, I'm putting all my trust into your loyal, faithful love. He's trusting God. That is, the, that is God of character, his, his faithful character. And it's the same with all believers. If we put our faith in Jesus Christ, then all believers are God's children, and that means, that means something important. Why? What does it mean? Well, it means if we repent and we belong to Jesus Christ, then we belong to Him. And that means our Lord will never abandon us, not in our sorrow or our despair. And so when we go through these dark, rock-bottom caves of heartache, like David did here, we can look up and trust in His loving kindness. And then the last part of verse 5. Look what else David does. He says, my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. He rejoiced in what? (laughs) Rejoice in your salvation. We see a certainty here. An absolute certainty of God's future deliverance for us in our trials. And so it's absolute. It's certain. And it's there's no ifs, ands, and buts about it. It's going to happen. He's going to do it. And so for David, if he could rejoice in nothing else, he could rejoice in the salvation God gave him. Amazing how we just read through verses 1 and 4 and we saw David, he's griping and begging, but now he's rejoicing. And did you really notice that that none of David's circumstance has changed? He's still in a cave. He's still been through the humiliation in Gath. He's still on the run from Saul. He still felt forsaken by God. So what changed? Well, in verse 3, remember, he asked God to give him something. To give him light. To give light to his eyes. And what was this light? The enlightenment that God gave him. Well, it's, 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 that, it's that everything he needed. <laughs> everything he needed was found in the character of God. Who he is and what he's done and what he's doing. So David went from looking inside to looking outside to now looking up. He shifted his whole focus on Yahweh God and to his character. David stopped thinking about who he is 
and what's happening to him, to now he's thinking about who Yahweh God is and what, who, and what He's done for him. He made up his mind to praise God no matter what he was facing. And what did that cause him to do? It caused him to renew his trust in God. And now look at what this renewed trust leads David to do next. Verse 6, I will sing to Yahweh. Wow. Wow, he went from crying to thinking he was going to die to now he's singing. And this I will, this I will means that he's made up his mind. I will sing to Yahweh. Did you catch that? And did you catch this? That David answers his own question in verse 3 when he asks, Lord, look at me and answer me, O Yahweh God. So what was the answer to that question? Well, it's all about, again, God's character. His loyal, faithful, loving kindness and God's salvation and God's power of deliverance. Those are the answer. And so the very God David needed, he had. Nothing changed but David. So he stopped griping. He started worshiping. He stopped complaining. He, stopped, he started confessing. He stopped doubting. He started believing. David came back to God and who he is. And understanding that, that this is where contentment is found. So now David can sing. The last part of verse 6. Because he has dealt bountifully with me. David understands that God's people live on promises and not explanations. That we may not understand why, and we may not understand where it's headed, but should we even care? Because as God's children, we rest in His promises. We trust in His promises. And this is where David landed. He, he went from fear to faith. He went from questioning to claiming and trusting So, when we go through the hills and valleys of life, we most likely will hit rock bottom. We're going to end up like David in a cave of despair. We can be thankful for Psalm 13 because David shows us three ways to deal with it. There's the first way, which is it's a natural thing to look inward. It's natural to ask the Lord, where are you when we go through these things? How long will I go through this? But we don't stay there long because we need to move to the second way fast, the outward look. We need to ask God to give us enlightenment, to see things from His perspective, which will then bring us to the third way, which is, the way we, which is where we need to get to. We look up and we ask the question, we ask the question, who is God? And when we, an- and when we answer that question, we find the answer to that question, who is God? then everything will begin to change. Because when we know who God is, then we can trust Him. Even when He brings these sorrows into our lives, because He has a good purpose designed for it at the end. We need to get where David got. He he came to understand that God was not going to let him down and that God was going to see him through. And so, as we conclude, as as we wrap this up, when we repent and give our lives to Jesus Christ. When we put our faith in Him, we become children of God. And our Heavenly Father is a good and loving God. But this doesn't mean that we will have our best life now. I love how John MacArthur 
has said that for us believers, this, this, is, this is not our best life now. Our best life now is coming in eternity. But for those who are not saved, this will be their best life now. Because they're going to a, a horrible place after death. So this means as believers, we will walk through some, some dark valleys and caves. And as long as, as long as we're here in this life, we won't be able to avoid, we won't be able to avoid a broken heart. It's really inevitable. But our Heavenly Father is a good God. A perfectly holy, loving, faithful, good God. And we can trust Him in and through everything. So we can trust Him because He loves us. And that when He brings us or, or has brought us to the, to, the, to the cave of despair, it's because He has good purposes designed for us in the end. How much does, does God love us? Well, He loves us so much that He sent His own Son, Jesus Christ, to take the punishment of our sin and His body on our behalf so that His wrath, His punishment, would fall on Christ's own shoulders and not ours. This is love. We, we see in the cross the love of God for us. And we're so joyful for that. We're so overjoyed with that because our devotion is just grabbed by that. And our hearts should be satisfied with that. It's a satisfied heart in Christ. He wants us to see our Lord Jesus and that, and that we would be satisfied with Him and Him alone. Our Heavenly Father wants the longing of our heart to be found in the person, the work, the career, and the future of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's enough. That's all we need. So when we go through these caves of heartbreak and despair, we need to remember David in Psalm 13. We don't ask Yahweh God, where are you? But instead we ask, who is Yahweh God? And when we ask that question, it causes us to look up and it brings us to the right answer. And the right answer is, He's right here with us. He's got us. And He has a purpose in what He's doing. And that'll help us as we walk through it. And we can walk through it even like David did and get to the end where we can even sing His praises while we're walking through it. Amazing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to remember who You are when we we walk through those caves and valleys of despair in life. Father, help us to remember that we are not alone. Help us to look to You, to look up and remember who You are. To look up to our Lord Jesus Christ who is alive right now, is interceding for us in heaven. That Lord, all of our suffering, all of our suffering will come to an end. But this is all for a season. And we will be with You forever someday. Help us to rejoice and sing in Your praises. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.